Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Well, we're very happy today to have with us as a guest, Pastor Jackie Kenyon. Jackie's a pastor of the Church of the Open Bible in Iowa Falls. It's really a delight to have you with us today. Thank you for allowing me to be here. It's an honor. Well, of course, you know this. Many of our listeners don't know this, but Church of the Open Bible in Iowa Falls is special to me because that is my home church in my hometown. There isn't anywhere I can walk in that church building that there aren't special memories to me. And uh, I was reflecting on this, Jackie, as uh, we prepared for this time with you today, all the people who are in heaven who invested in my life in that church. I think I saw all these faces of Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, pastors who invested in me. And uh, whatever I am today, uh, they had a strong role in that. And, and, you know, I've even thought sometimes not all of those teachers were even the best teachers in the world. Maybe they didn't have all the best methodology, but there were two things I observed as a young guy. I knew they loved God and I knew they loved me. And somehow that just had a way of making up for lots of stuff. Right. And so I have special, special memories there. And I know that you're investing in lives in the same way, Jackie. So I appreciate all the work that you're doing and I will follow. So, Tell us a little bit about where and how you grew up. Uh, what did you do? What was your first life like? Well, let's see. Um, as you talk about the Church of the Open Bible of Iowa Falls, I would have to go back to Faith Chapel Open Bible in Youngstown, Ohio. Unfortunately, that church is no longer there. Um, it's not that I'm that old. It just is no longer there. Um, <laughs> but I was um, brought up in that church. Um, actually, my mom and dad attended that church when it was a four square church. And then it became part of Open Bible um, Standard Churches. And um, I was born during the, the process of the early years of it being an Open Bible church and um, grew up through there. I remember as a young child, we had a place called Stamba Auditorium in downtown Youngstown where we would go and hear people like Catherine Kuhlman and Oral Roberts and oh, wow, um, wow. having people like the Thomas Trio from Open Bible that were, you know, evangelists that would come to the church. No, now, now you are um, dating yourself. I know, yourself. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but those young years were the years that as I look back on those now, had I not had those experiences, I mean, I'm talking... A lot of those were before the age of, you know, probably five or six, but yet they're still there cemented in my memory that my faith has always been there through all the years, no matter what I went through. Amen. Amen. That's a heritage, isn't it? Amen. Well, I know, I remember part of your story, uh, Jackie. I I just remember that God has just so wonderfully spread his wings of redemptive love over you. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about your story? When did you first become acquainted with the Lord and Jesus as your Savior? And talk a little bit about that relationship. You know, has it always gone well or the challenges along the way? Could you tell Not us hardly. a little bit about your, your journey? Okay. <laughs> you bet. Um, I came to the Lord very, very young. And um, as most churches do, they have conflict. And there was a time frame when I was probably about 17 years old that our church had gone through um, a split. 
Mm-hmm. And um, my mom and my sister and her children decided that they were going to go someplace else. And um, that was a pivotal, mo- pivotal moment in my faith, especially as a teen. And that's probably where my heart goes for when people do a lot of changing churches is mm-hmm. how it affects their families. Wow. And um, at that time in my life, I thought, you know, if this God is supposed to be so good, why did he take me away from all my friends and everything that was comfortable to me? And I spent about six years really trying to figure out where I was supposed to be. And unfortunately, um, during that time frame, I did a lot of drifting. I was um, married to someone who was very verbally abusive. I ended up going through a divorce. Um, not something that I'm proud of, but I look at, as you say, as God's redemptive work, mm-hmm. continue to work in my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, I down the road, I joined the military um, and then I met my husband and we were dating and we had decided to get married. And um, I, I don't know where my brain was because he was an atheist and I knew better. And I remember the Lord just really dealing with my heart. And I had told him, I said, God, you've got to change him and you've got to change me. And we were married in December. And in March, he gloriously turned his life over to the Lord. But I had to make that choice to follow Jesus again. And I had to make that choice that I was going to continue to do that irregardless. And I always say this whenever I tell my testimony, young ladies, please do not follow what I did because I did step out of God's will when I married him as as a non-believer. And I have gone through some things in my own life that I've suffered from some of the things that I sowed by doing that. And so I'm very big at encouraging women to wait until he comes to the Lord, then tie the knot. Um, But God did a glorious work in both of our lives. And then it was about a year later that um, we felt the call into ministry. So... It was a missionary marriage that worked, but you do not recommend that as a model. I do not. No, I do not. (laughs) Well, of course, God's been so good to you. Tell us a little bit about your family today. Well, my family today, um, we have interesting ages. I have a stepson who is 51. Um, Herb and I have a son, Matthew, who is um, 35. And he is, um, Chris is married and has four children. He lives in Ohio. And then um, Matt and his wife, Christy, have two little boys. They live in Des Moines. They just graced us with our newest grandson, who's not quite six months old. And then we have a daughter, Jackie, and she lives in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, Jackie, let's talk a little bit about ministry now, too. Because as you know, in open Bible churches, we don't have any limitations on women in ministry. There's nothing that says a woman a woman can't serve here or there. So uh, anywhere from the national to the pastoral levels. And I think you serve now as a district director. Is that correct? Yes. And yes. that means you're a member of the Central Region Board of Directors. So you are serving in leadership and open Bible. However, the reality is we do not have many women who are lead pastors. And here you are one of those. And I... I don't even think we have a lot of women candidates for pastorate. And so I know from my time of serving as a regional director that, frankly, there are some churches that are not really open. Right. Because I've asked them, you know, when I was working with them, they're looking for pastors. They were at a transitional time. So how did that come about? 
for you, first of all, how did you end up being the lead pastor of a church? And then talk to us a little bit about the acceptance. Yeah, it begins in the church, but also in the community. Any any people, you know, obviously we're not going to name names here, but any any opposition, <laughs> you know, or, you know, how, how do you work through all of that? Well, first of all, um, when I, when her became a pastor, when he got his license and he became a pastor, um, I had always dreamed of, you know, one day being in some form of ministry. But to me, that some form of ministry could have been a Sunday school teacher to toddlers. It didn't matter as long as I was doing ministry. And I served in a lot of different areas, um, working with youth and helping with women's groups. And then Herb um, received his credentials and we took our first church in Des Moines. Um, we were at, at Bethany Open Bible um, when we came to Des Moines. And I remember you know, working in the church there with the women. Um, I also worked at headquarters um, yes, way did. back when, <laughs> helping with Kids Alive, um, with women's ministry, um, with church growth. Um, and I loved doing all of that. And it was just a matter of having a servant's heart of doing whatever God had called me to do. So when we came up here to Iowa Falls, um, Again, I had my hands in a little bit of everything, but nothing was necessarily as a leadership role. I, I led worship and I figured that was just probably my spot other than being a wife and a mother. And um, her pete, we had had a, a couple of youth pastors over the years that we had been here and they had both stepped down and Herb was taking over um, for the youth. That's my husband. He was working with the youth. And that was too much for him. He was a senior pastor and here he was trying to keep these kids wrangled. And I, no way, never had a call for you. That was not my thing. Take the little ones. I love the little ones. Don't give me the teenagers. But um, I remember going into his office because I knew he wasn't feeling well and the kids were getting ready to go to breakaway. And I said to him, I'll help if you want. Make a long story short. He said, I wanna talk to you as the pastor, not as your husband. And I'm asking you to pray about this because if you're going to take these kids, you're going to take them as their leader and you're going to seek your credentials to stand up and do what you know you need to do. Mm -hmm. Well, I just thought he was, you know, whatever. That's my husband. He's <laughs> going to say what he, you know. That's one way of recruiting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I, I went home and I really took it to prayer. Mm -hmm. And about two weeks later, I was sitting in his office and just fell apart and said, I know this is what I'm called to do for right now. Yeah, and I did. I continued in stay. I ended up getting my credentials um, and I served the youth for probably about 10 years. Actually, I stepped down to become the senior pastor and then I went back in and helped again for a while. But um, Herb and I are 10 years apart and he was beginning to feel the call to retire. It was time for him to, to step down. And I was like, I'm not ready. I there, God has more for me to do. And he said, I know he does. And I believe that he's calling you someplace else. I said, I do too. I believe he's calling me to, to step in to, to lead the church. Uh -huh. And he didn't say anything ahead of time. And he said, yes, that's what I believe he's calling as well. And so after he had resigned, um, I had talked to the board and asked if they would, you know, take my um, information and my resume. And our board was wonderful. Um, they worked through, you know, through the region. They worked with actually talking to other people, deciding who they were going to interview. They interviewed me. They did the Q&A, just like they would if the people never knew me before. Mm -hmm. 
And that was a real blessing for me because it gave me the right playing field to start out on. It wasn't like I was coming in because I was a pastor's wife. I was coming in because I was a credentialed minister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I've always told people is that God is the head of the church, but my husband is the head of my home. Mm -hmm. So in my home, he is my covering. Mm -hmm. In the church, God is. Yes. And there are times where he'll want to say something and it's like, honey, that's what God may have led you to do. You have to allow him to lead me to do what I know he's leading me to do. So we've grown over the, you know, the past eight, nine years of, of me being a senior pastor. Um, and then as far as the, the church, I think the church was very receptive. Um, some people had an issue with it. Probably some of the older ones were very much, um, a woman shouldn't be a pastor. They'd never had a woman as a pastor, yet Open Bible has had women in leadership roles forever since the, the very beginning. beginning. Right. And um, that's one of my greatest delights is that my mom was not a Christian for years. She was saved, of course, before I was born. But growing up, she had a grandmother who prayed for her and sent her letters all the time. And her grandmother lived in California and was under Amy Semple McPherson's ministry. Really? So I believe that there was just a definite call on my life to step up and do something different. Yes. And so how, how, um, about, and how about the community? How about the community? That, I was uh, going to say that our community, we have had um, several women pastors, even though we're a small town. Our congregational church has had several women pastors. Our Methodist church has. And I don't think that it's an issue here in our town at all. Mm-hmm. So I've never seen that as a as a major problem. The biggest thing would be, I think, is because we're a small church, is because we're a small town, is that when you would go to meet, like I have to be very careful if I want to go talk to one of the other pastors because it's the male-female thing. And I don't yeah, want it to be yeah. in any way the appearance of evil. So like a lot of times I, it's like I've, I've met with our, um, our Catholic priest and I have a really great working relationship and we'll sit and visit at the coffee attic, someplace in the midst of people all over the place, because as you know, it's different if I was a guy and I went to another pastor's office and said, Hey, let's talk. But as a female, I can't do that. Sure. Well, you know, that, that leads to another question, maybe, uh, Maybe there's some other ways to be different too. You've been a pastor's wife, so you've seen Herb as a pastor. You've observed from that vantage point. And now, of course, this nine, 10 years of having been a senior pastor yourself, you mentioned the one challenge now of uh, meeting with someone else, another pastor who's a man. There are certain uh, things that steps that you would take, of course, uh, to be very careful about not giving the wrong representation in any way. Are there any other things that a woman pastor has to be aware of more than or different than a man pastor that you can see? I think one of the biggest and most important things, and this was something that I directed to the church when I, when I said that I would take the position is that I think many times men have that protective provision provider portion of them to take care of their family. As a woman, we're more of a nurturer. 
-hmm. We want to make sure that our family has what they have need of. And so I had to make sure that the church would understand that my family, God comes first, but my family comes second, Mm -hmm. then the church. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times pastors are automatically, they assume that it's God and the church and then their family. And I think as women, we can't do that. We have to make sure. And it's probably a good thing for most men pastors to do as well, well because their, church, their family can get lost in the shuffle. Absolutely. I was just going to say that uh, women are leading the way in that regard then, because men can make that mistake. Right. Those priorities confused. So what would, what would you say to other women and they feel God stirring you. I heard you say how when you and Herb were talking and you said, yes, I believe God is saying to me, this is what I'm supposed to do. There's someone else listening today. Some women would say, I I feel this stirring. I feel God calling me into the ministry. Maybe even the pastor, even though they know that's, that's kind of a rarity in our circles anyway. Um, what would... They're not sure what to do about that call. What kind of counsel or encouragement would you give them, Jackie? I think the first thing that I would do is to say, serve in any area that you can. Just get your, get your, you know, your feet wet in all the different areas of the church that you can. I mean, if it, if it means you clean a restroom, you clean a restroom. If it means you lead worship, you lead worship, teach a Bible study, because the only way you're going to learn and the only way you're going to grow in that is if you keep Because you know what? If you're in the pastor, you're going to do it all anyhow. At some point in time, you're going to be needed to unclog a toilet. I didn't know how to do that before. I do now. You know, there's things you're going to have to, you know, let's be honest. There's things you're going to have to learn how to do. And I think that if you are um, serving in every area, you're continuing to grow. And God's going to give you favor. Amen. Leaders are servants and they never need to remember or never need to forget. That's right. Continue to be servants then. So you've had these years now serving as a pastor. You you know that God's hand is upon you. What do you enjoy the most about being a pastor? And what are the some of the ways you've discovered that he uses you? We all are unique individuals. God works with us as he will. What have you found most fulfilling? And maybe I should ask what's also most challenging. Um challenging would be easy. Um, Because that's this year, especially has been, um, you know, over the past while is just church open and close and masks and no mask. And we've been dealing with this for, you know, how long now that that gets really old. Yes. (laughs) Um, And the challenges are just people not wanting to love one another. They want to run with their own agenda instead of loving one another. Mm -hmm. Those are probably the two biggest things that I see. there's so many things that I love about being a pastor. And probably the biggest one is, is it's just my sheep. I know that I've called, I've been called to be a shepherdess to a flock that I love dearly. Um, irregardless of whether we get along or not, there, you know, that happens. But I love, I love the people that I serve. And I I can't wait to be with them, whether it's sitting in my office discussing something. Um, whether it's Sunday morning worship, whether it's a Bible study, ladies' coffee, um, prayer time, it doesn't matter. I just love being with with the flock. Fantastic. Well, the Lord's been blessing and using you, obviously. 
just from hearing you share how he's doing that work in you. I know he's using you in amazing ways with people, Jackie. And uh, I love the way you have been open to unpacking your life and your ministry for us today. We call this uh, podcast Better Roads because there are so many roads that we can choose in life. You talked about some of them early on. Maybe we're not the best roads. Right. And yet right. God and his wondrous mercy and grace just covers us in a multitude of ways, redemptively. So we give thanks for all those places. But but I've discovered also in working with people that most people can say, you know, there were some of those rough places. I wish I'd never gone there. God's done a wondrous work in me in spite of that. But there are certain decisions. There are certain roads I have chosen in life that I can look back and say, you know, those were key. God really did use those. those. Those were the right things for me to do, and they have contributed to who I am today. Could you talk a little bit about some of those pivotally important better roads you've chosen? You bet. I always think of the fork in the road. You know, we've got, we've got a decision to make as to what road we're going to choose. And um, one of the things that when I look back, I definitely made a right choice when I joined the Army National Guard. Um, as crazy as that may sound, that was definitely a forefront. I was, um, I went to military police school, which was very unusual for women long a time ago. <laughs> um, but that was what I did. And, um, what it helped me with is it gave me leadership skills that I never would have had. Um, I would have never been able to grow in the way that I did had I not been put into some situations that I was, so I look at that was um, very pivotal for me. Um, another one was when Herb and I got married because I did have to lay it all down. And I did need to say, God, this is in your hands. I can't do anything. I don't want to go down the road I did before. You know, I want to build a future here. And I know that I've got to submit it all to you. And the last one that I can think of was our move to Iowa. Um, living in Ohio, we lived around family all the time. And I love my mm -hmm. family dearly. Mm -hmm. But there was something about moving away from everything that was familiar to me. Kind of like Abraham, I had to find my own way. And um, I met new people. I met people that I grew to love. Um, we, you know, the church that we serve here in Iowa Falls is family. There have been aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas to my kids that they would have never had had we not made this move. And um, when we made the move, it seemed like we were going to a foreign land because it was so far away, but I'm so grateful for it. And it's even interesting how that in that pivotal moment of moving to Iowa, um, I think of one particular woman who was very instrumental in my life early, early on in ministry, and that was LaVon Archer. And she was, of course, the wife of C. Russell Archer, who was in the position at the Eastern Region before you were, That's right. and um, loved her dearly. And when we moved to Iowa, that was one of the things that I was really sad about, is I thought I would never have any contact with her anymore but yet she was heading up the women's ministry things at that time. And I was able, she would come to Des Moines and I would be able to work with her and see her. And um, then to come to find out that she was involved in the very church that I pastor today. 
That's right. right. So, Got some roots yeah. there. Yes. Yep. So I just I just yeah. love that. Yes. You know, you you mentioned about one of those key better roads was letting go of what was your home base. I have noticed that oftentimes, now God God doesn't always move us different places, but isn't it possible sometimes that those links that are so important to us can be like a tether holding us back from what God wants? No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. Well, I'm thankful that you uh, you took the leap, Jackie, that you and <laughs> so her did that. And it's been a delight for me to watch both from a distance and also when I get a chance to be back home. Uh, it always feels good to know that you are there, uh, that Herb is there, and to just see how the Lord is using you in such a wonderful way in ministry. I just want to affirm you today. And thank you for being with us on this Better Roads podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. And we thank you for joining us today on this Better Roads podcast. I hope you'll join us next time. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.